have to tell you, when I was about 12 years old, I was ignorant to how bad I smelled. I mean, a stink that makes your eyes water. I mean, it smelled so bad, I bet platinum seating or even online, you'd be able to smell it from where you are. And I remember because I was so ignorant in the culture I grew up in, that that actually separated me from my peers. I remember one event vividly. A bunch of 12-year-old boys were running around a video arcade with video games lined up next to one another. And normally you would have to pay to play, but my friend's dad owned the arcade. And for the whole night, we didn't sleep. We ran around playing video games. And, and our tribe started as a group of about a dozen teenage boys, but I noticed as the night went on and my sweat increased that my friendships decreased. It actually separated me from the community. I had this orange shirt that I loved to wear. I also hated to shower. And so actually because of my ignorance, it made connecting in community incredibly difficult. And I want to share with you, maybe you have a similar situation, not at a video arcade with a bunch of teenage boys, but have you ever been ignorant to the fact that you're on the outside of a community only to find out later that there's true insiders and outsiders? Have you found it hard to get connected with a group of like-minded people? Do you think that you are connected and then find out later that everybody's been talking behind your back? Or maybe you re it shouldn't be this way, but have you ever been treated differently just because of the place where you were born and the paperwork that you possess? We're going to talk today about connecting in community, real community. Because not just outside the church, even inside the church, sometimes it's hard to connect with one another. In fact, if you're new here, you may think to yourself, wow, everyone in this church knows everyone else except for me. <laughs> if you heard that chuckle, you realize that you're not the only one thinking that. In fact, we're going to talk about how we, as a church, can have a deep, connected community that lasts. We're going to look at the problem of unity, really why we can't have unity anywhere other than in the church. And we're going to see the solution to that. We're going to look at a community catalyst, really the not-so-secret secret sauce. <laughs> and then we're going to unpack the, some real-life examples of what that looks like for us here in this room, watching online, and in our video overflows. We're going to look at some practical examples for us as a community. So... No one's on the outside today because we're all being brought in to what God has to teach us as we continue our series, Extraordinary Life. Let's pray, and then we'll get into God's word. Father, we come to you now, and we may feel ostracized or alienated, kicked out or condemned. And we come to you now knowing that you open your arms wide for your community. Show us the community that lasts, a connectedness that transcends geography, 
that transcends socioeconomic status, that transcends even mistakes. Father, help us to see not only the problem, not only your solution, help us to see what really makes it all possible. And it's in Jesus' name we pray all of these things. Amen. So as you think about uh, times where you felt connected or why it's hard to have community, sometimes when you're out on the outside and you're looking at everyone who seems like they're in a community, you say, oh, I know the problem. It's them. It's those people. It's the other people. <laughs> oh, they, they are just so incredibly smelly. Well, you know what? I'm not the only one that smells. You smell too. In fact, all of humanity smells. Our problem isn't the other people. Our problem is people. Our problem is ignorant people. Do you know any ignorant people in your life? Not, do you know any stupid people? Do you know any ignorant people in your life? People that just don't know. Well, that's, that's the problem. The problem is ignorant people, not just the other people. The problem is ignorant people. The problem is humanity. We're going to see in Ephesians 4, just listen to this problem and the ignorance of others. It says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. This ignorance is due to the hardness of heart. They've become callous and even given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. You see, the problem is ignorant people, but let's just unpack this. Ignorance meaning you, you just haven't learned. You just don't know. Let's unpack this a little bit because you see that the problem is the futility of their minds. The futility of their minds. Do you ever know anyone that has a mind of futility? Futility, like applying a bunch of effort and going nowhere. <laughs> that coworker that sits at their desk for eight hours a day and you can't tell any work that they've done. <laughs> like pressing hard on the gas pedal when the car is on and it goes nowhere. Like trying to brush your teeth and eat Oreos at the same time. Just, <laughs> it doesn't work. You see, the futility of the mind of ignorant people is because their understanding is darkened. They, they, they don't understand. It's like being in a completely black room. They can't see anything. It's completely dark. There's nothing that they can see. And they're darkened in their understanding. But even deeper than that, as we peel another layer of the onion of humanity, we see that the result of that darkened understanding is alienated from the life of God alienated, separated. It's like uh, being darkened in understanding, having a futile mind that's going, 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 and never, never going anywhere. The understanding is darkening. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them. They've separated themselves from God, saying, God, uh, I don't need you, or God, you don't exist, or God, I'm going to do things my own way. And walking away from the creator and sustainer of life and light equals death and darkness. The very God of connection, if you don't know that he's the God of connection and you turn your back on him, then you're going to be disconnected. And really, 
It's even deeper than that as we peel the final layer from this onion and we get to the smelliest, stinkiest part of humanity, the part that makes your eyes water. It's because of the hardness of heart. A hardness of heart that just stiff arms God as far away as possible and says, I'm doing things my way. This hardness of heart. And over time, it becomes callous, like the bottoms of your feet or hands that labor a lot. And, and over time, becomes harder and harder and harder against God. You see, the result of a hard, of a hard heart is an insatiable, an insatiable self-centeredness. With a hard heart, there is no amount of life that will satisfy the deeper desire. And sometimes it looks like just a little bit more. You see, the, the result of this hard heart is, a, is an insatiable self-centeredness. Ephesians 4 continues. We saw, it says that, and they gave themselves over, they become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Greedy, the Greek word for greedy literally means I want more. Have you ever thought that? I want more. Maybe it's not as obvious as more, more, more. Maybe it's just with a little bit more, then I'll be content. A little bit more money, then I'll feel stable. A little bit more likes or followers on social media, and then I'll feel accepted. A little bit more views on TikTok, a little bit more of a prestige or recognition at work, a little bit more romance, or any romance, and then I'll be, I'll be okay. You see, there's a problem with a little bit more. It never satisfies. In fact, the global city in which we live is not a city of a little bit more. We are a city of a lot bit more. <laughs> The more and more and more, uh, maybe in the last couple of years, you've seen uh, foreign countries and you've said, I'm going to be an expat and live overseas because then I can get a little bit more. A little bit more will make me satisfied. There's a problem as you move, whether it's move countries, move jobs, move relationships, because <laughs> the problem will always follow you because no matter where you are, you are. <laughs> You're there too. Your hard heart is part of the problem. I'm not the only smelly one. We all smell. Because we all have a hard heart that turns away from God. And so, if you think to yourself, just a little bit more, a little bit more, then I'll be okay. You will never be able to satisfy the hunger that's deep inside of your hard heart apart from God. And let's face it. Sometimes we move to be expats in search of that satisfaction. If you have lived uh, in the UAE, if you've lived in Dubai for two years or less, raise your hands or type in the chat section. That's me. Uh, less than two years. Raise your hand. Two years or less. Raise it up high. We want to welcome you and say this is a great place to live. This is a great city to live in. Now, raise your hand if you've been here more than two years. Isn't this a great place to live in? <laughs> Did you hear the... <laughs> 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 
It's because we've realized it takes us about a year and a half to two years to realize there's no amount of bigger, better, faster, stronger that's going to make us feel satisfied apart from God. It takes us about a year and a half to two years of having a callous, hard heart for us to realize, oh, God, you, you brought me in search of a better life, but actually the only thing that will satisfy is eternal life. You see, the problem is ignorance. And maybe you've come in today and you are just hearing about this for the very first time. I'm so glad you've come. Because ignorance isn't just divisive when it comes to our relationships and communities, ignorance can actually be quite dangerous, especially ignorance to the solution. Ignorance, not knowing, can actually have catastrophic consequences. I remember I was looking for extraordinary life, and I saw bungee jumping on TV. Has anyone been bungee jumping? Anybody here? You've been bungee jumping. Awesome. I wish I was you. Because I decided I wanted to go bungee jumping. So I went out to the garage and I got a bungee cord that looked like this. <laughs> I was ignorant. I, I was trying the best I could. And so I climbed to the three meter high metal play structure in my backyard. I took the bungee cord. You know it's with a specialized elastic band, right? They probably like secured it to your feet just fine. Yeah. No, that's not what I did. I was ignorant. So I just hooked, took the metal hook and I hooked it to my belt loop. And I hooked the other one to a screw on the top and I stood at the top looking down at my sister that now was much smaller than she was before. And she looks up to me and she says, do it, do it. <laughs> and so I was in search, ignorant search for the extraordinary life. I jumped. And for 90% of the trip, it was amazing. <laughs> And then I got the world's biggest wedgie. And, and then the cloth belt loop ripped out of the pants. And I was in free fall, and I slammed into the ground, completely breathless, shocked, unaware. And I remember I looked up at my sister, and she said, that was awesome. <laughs> Do it again. I said, I'm not going to do that again. No, it's, it's fun to laugh at other people's mistakes and to learn from their mistakes. But actually, the consequences of ignorance aren't fun to experience ourselves. So the solution to ignorance, if the problem is ignorance, the solution is learning. Where were you when I was jumping off the tower? You could have told me, don't do it, don't do it. But the solution is learning. And that's why Paul goes on in Ephesians and he says, uh, but that's not you. Don't walk in, in the, the former ways. He says, but you, no, no, no. You have learned Christ. You've learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, to take off that stinky orange teenage boy shirt that smells bad. He says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. 
Look, it says, you've learned Christ. You've learned Christ. And I love the way this is written in the Greek. Because in literature written at the same time, all the literature was written in Greek, nowhere else is there an example of a sentence that's structured this way. When you learn, you usually learn content. You don't learn a person. You normally learn information, not learn a relationship. In fact, when you think about learning Christ, it says the truth is in Jesus. That use of Jesus is unique in the book of Ephesians. Normally it's Christ or the Christ, but now it gets very personal. You see, when you've learned Christ, it's about relationship, not empty religion. It's about this relationship that we have. In fact, let's just unpack what it means to learn Christ. First, it's just assuming that you've heard about him. You heard about him. Raise your hand if you at one time were stinky, smelly, nobody told you that, and then you learned, oh, wait a second. That's that rebellion, that hardness of heart, not only separates me from others, but separates me from God. Raise your hand if you, God has moved you from death into life, putting your trust in Jesus. Raise your hand if you've heard about Jesus in the past. Yeah, yeah, you, you heard, right? And you're like, what? I smell? I don't want to smell. No way. You see, the problem that we have of ignorance is that that insatiable self-centeredness will always disrupt community because it's all about me and what I want. But in Jesus, you've heard. You've heard about Jesus. But not only have you heard about Jesus, but you were taught in him. You were taught in him. Um, raise your hand if someone taught you about Jesus. All right, if this is your first time with us, you can raise your hand too because right now we're all being taught in Jesus. <laughs> right? We're taught in Jesus. It, it might be uh, the, a friend, a mother, a father, the church, a pastor, a small group. It might be like the, the women's CBSI that we heard about where you're learning about Jesus and you go, oh, learning about Jesus isn't just a one-time moment. It's an ongoing transformation. Huh, awesome. Because you've learned about him and you've learned the truth is a person. The truth is in Jesus, not just content or information. So you've, you've put off your old self and you've, you've put on your new self and you're in renewing the spirit of your mind. I love those phrases. You've put off, uh, you put on, and you're renewing of your mind. It's like if I could go back to 12-year-old, stinky, smelly, friendless Bill and say, dude, you stink. Stop wearing the same shirt all the time. <laughs> And then move on to, there's a better way. I, and if you love languages, you're going to love the next minute or two. If you don't love languages, then just tune out and come back and join us in 120 seconds, all right? Because I'm going to nerd out. There's a fascinating thing happening in the Greek here. In the Greek, the put off your old self and put on the new self. It's both, both written the same. It's in the aorist, the aorist tense. It's an aorist middle infinitive. It, it's something that is completed, something that is finished, something that's done, halas. And so the old self in Jesus has been put off. 
That stinky, smelly garment has been done away with, and you have been able to put on the aroma of Jesus. And he doesn't love the way he smells. And same with put on the new self. That's in the aorist middle infinitive as well. It is something completed, finished, done, halas. But you see, the middle part, this renewing of your mind, you're being renewed, well, it's a, it's a present infinitive. It's, it's a present passive infinitive. It's something that's ongoing and something that's being done to you, not something that you are doing yourself. It's passive. You are being renewed. That Not only have you learned Christ, but you are constantly being renewed. You see, You've been transformed by Jesus. We all have been profoundly impacted by Jesus. We have been profoundly transformed. And we are continually being renewed in him. That's what it means to say when you have learned Christ. You've learned Christ. That I've been transformed. You've been transformed. That there is something in us that has been profoundly changed. Not so much like uh, this insatiable self-centeredness, but we have a Savior who shows us what selflessness looks like, what service looks like. And because uh, he gave his life so that you can live, we see what sacrifice looks like. And as we're renewed more and more, it becomes less about me and more about him. And he stitches us together as a unique community. Jesus is really this community catalyst. There's no other community on the face of this earth apart from the church that will have such profound and long-lasting community as Jesus' community. You see, we have been totally transformed. It's like we as the church, are, is this, are, we are this gigantic bottle of Diet Coke and Jesus is a pack of Mentos. Have you seen what happens when you drop Mentos in Diet Coke? I really wanted to do it, but I didn't want to clean it up. <laughs> so I just here's a picture of what it looks like. This is what happens when you put Mentos in Diet Coke. It just goes everywhere. <laughs> and that's how we as a community are to be. That our extraordinary life transformation as we are being renewed continually, that we, this transformation is spewing out into our relationships. It's spewing out into our workplaces. It's spewing out across all of Dubai and beyond. And so we've seen that the problem is ignorance. The solution is learning Christ. Now, this community catalyst that makes it all possible, it's, it's the fact that we are being renewed continually. And that transformation just spews out left, right, and center. But if you're like me, you need some real-life examples. Like, what does this look like in our community? Like, sitting here, what does this look like? What does this look like for you online? What does this look like for you in Platinum? What does this look like in our life? We are all one community well, Ephesians 4 goes on, and there's five different ways that we see this played out. Number one is true speech. Look at this, true speech. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another, that we would speak truth with one another. 
Number two, appropriate angry, appropriate anger. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Number three, honest work and sharing. It says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Number four, constructive speech. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. Only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And then last are Christ-like actions, uh, living in a way that reflects Jesus. It says to let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. You notice that the negatives in that are all external, and they're building up in volume and crescendo. Bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander and malice. But all the, all the internal things like kindness, tenderheartedness, forgiveness. Let's unpack what that means for our community. What does it look like for us to have true speech with one another? This, this true speech, that we would speak truthfully with one another. Well, a lot of times it can just be a matter of being real with each other. It can, it can just be a matter of, of being real. Like, I'll say, hey, how was your day? And you know what most people say? Fine. In fact, before the service, right before this, I, I went to a couple and I said, how are you? And the husband said, fine. And the wife shakes her head and goes, didn't say a word. And I turned to her, I said, you're shaking your head, no, why are you not fine? And she said, well, I, I have to start radiation again because the cancer is back and it's crushed us. And I said, wow, we've been praying alongside you guys. Let's stop right now and pray. And, and God used it as an opportunity to knit us together as a community that where even though she may feel alone, that she knows there's so many people that are coming alongside and supporting her in this that the husband doesn't have to grieve alone. There's, there's men to come alongside of him. And all of that would have just been lost if she would have answered, fine. Sometimes speaking truth to one another means that we, in love, tell each other, hey, 12-year-old Bill who hates showers and loves wearing the same shirt, you smell. But there's a better way. Come here. Sometimes it's just being real with each other. Let's speak truthfully with one another. Let's express emotions appropriately. Let's express anger. The Bible says to be angry. Did you notice that? It says be angry. It doesn't say that anger is wrong. It says to be angry and do not sin. Anger is recognizing there's a difference between what is and what should be. Between what is and what should be. And that difference is anger. So next time you're angry, and maybe for you, this is a part. I know this is what, how God is working on my heart. That, that I notice the way that there is something different between what is and what should be. And a lot of times when I'm angry, 
God is, has me thinking, wait a second, why are you angry? I know what is, Bill, but are you looking at what should be according to you or according to me? Let, let's make sure that we're angry about the right things. That it's not what the world should be like according to you, but what the, what the world should be like according to God. So express anger appropriately. Next, uh, contribute honestly. Contribute honestly. Both it means don't steal. Don't steal from other people, but don't mooch either. <laughs> don't, don't always presume on others and take, take, take. Don't always be a consumer. Instead, be a contributor to the community. Be a contributor to the community. As we're talking about uh, launching a third site or uh, ways to get involved, instead of just going, oh, no, I'm just going to come and, and consume and take. No, just contribute. You can contribute. Also, don't steal, all right? Don't steal. The uh, fourth one is to relate constructively. Relate constructively. Uh, have you noticed sometimes in your workplace, some people talk about others to you? Anybody, anybody experience that? Yeah. If they talk to you, they'll talk about you. If they talk to you, they'll talk about you. And the same is true, unfortunately, in the church. Sometimes we're blatantly obvious about it and we're like, hey, 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 that's gossip. Don't talk about other people like that sometimes. But sometimes we're a little sneaky about it. Sometimes, like, oh, oh, we, we have to pray for Bill. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, you haven't heard? <laughs> well, no, I, oh, well, we should pray for him. Now, don't tell anybody, but, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then we forget to pray. <laughs> Or we, we relate with these, each other constructively and we go, oh, oh, Maya, are you back? Maya's back. Maya was at the first service. I used her as an example and I'm going to use her as an example again just because I know Maya. Uh, so if Maya has wronged me, now the constructive way of relating with her is saying, hey, Maya, it was, you probably didn't mean to be offensive, but it offended me when you did this. But a lot of times that's not what we do. What we do. Now, from other cultures where we don't directly address the conflict, it might be something where, where I bring someone and be like, hey, bungee jumping friend, let's go over and let's work this out with Maya as brothers and sisters in Christ, all right? And that's still, that's a heart of constructive uh, communication. But a lot of times in the church, what we do is we're like, oh man, can you believe what Maya did? Oh man, she did that. I can't believe it either, but she did it to me. She did it to you too? Oh yeah, Maya just does that stuff. That's what Maya, she did it to you too? Oh yeah, oh, and you? Oh man, oh, has Maya ever done that to you too? Oh man, we should pray for Maya. <laughs> <laughs> and we think that builds up the church? No, it makes the Holy Spirit have a face palm moment of grief to go, oh, you people, I'm trying to renew your mind regularly. That's why it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for by the day of redemption. So, if you think to yourself, well, it's not really gossip. I mean, I would say the same thing if Maya were right here next to me. Well, then why isn't that person right next to you? <laughs> Instead, ask yourselves these questions. Where is gossip? Where is not? 
By the way, Maya, like we talked about last service, you have to forgive me as you've been forgiven. So we're good, all right? Uh, here, here are three questions you can ask yourself. Is this gossip or not? Should I share it or not, all right? These are three filters that go over your mouth, all right? It has to go through all three of these filters in order for it to come out of your mouth, all right? Number one, is it true? Like, do you know it's true? Not like, oh yeah, I, that, that makes a lot of sense. It must be true. The internet told me, okay? Is it true? Number two, is it honoring? Is it honoring? Would you say it in that person's presence? Does it honor God? Does it honor that person? If not, then shh, don't say anything. <laughs> so is it true? Is it honoring? The last one, is it empowering? Does it build up the church? If it's, if it's true and it's honoring, but it doesn't build up the church, don't say anything. If it's not true, if it's not honoring, if it doesn't build up the church, keep your lips shut. Church unity is so, so important because we are a community that is bubbling over with transformation. And it can be the way, one of the many ways we live reflectively that we put away our old self, the bitterness, anger, resentment, malice, and we put on Jesus. We put on Jesus, and as a community, everyone who looks at the way we interact with people, they say, wow, you've been transformed. You've been transformed. May we as a community be known by the fact that everybody doesn't smell humanity, but instead they smell the sweet aroma of Jesus. Let's pray and ask God to help us as a community. Father, we come to you now and we ask that you would help us as a community. Father, I know that there's and probably others like me that, that hear these things and whether it be speaking truthfully or anger or stealing or speech or just lifestyle of living reflectively, Father, we're, we need you to continue to renew us. We need you as a community to continue to convict and comfort us. We confess to you there are times, particularly that we've said things about one another and to one another that don't glorify and honor you. So Father, continue to renew us as we know in Christ that we've, that we've put off the old ways of living and put on Christ. May we be transformed forever for your glory. In Jesus' name, your community says together, amen, amen.